A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Greening Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with obstructive view. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but if we were, we'd probably have signed Cody Bellinger already. Hi, this is Ken. With me is Jeff from Obstructing View. How are we doing today? Uh, doing good. Got some uh, good beer up in Colorado this weekend, so feeling it a mm. little bit. <laughs> That's quite a truck to get beer. Was it, like six hours from where you're at to where you're getting beer from Colorado? Yeah, up in Fort Collins. So yeah, mm. about six hours. Wait, Fort Collins. Is that Coors or there? there's a Budweiser up there, isn't it? Like some of the Budweiser commercials that are from Poker Collins. Yeah, I think they, they do have a Bud, some Bud, like a big Budweiser Center or something there. Um, I've never been to it. My wife has. But usually it's Coors that, that comes from Colorado. And yeah, now, yeah, yeah. You know, like Budweiser is trying to usurp their territory. Huh. Plenty of great craft beer in Colorado, too. <laughs> I can attest. This is like some sort of like, crazy. Uh, Crazy, like, bar- barrel-aged barley wine with a bunch of spices and stuff. Wasn't, mm. sure how it, wasn't sure how I'd feel about it, but it's it's pretty good. Barley wines are very hit or miss. Sorry, I've already, I've, already, I've, already, I've already derailed this podcast. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I, I usually avoid, like, the super cheap beer because it's, like, you can buy it in bulk because it's cheap and it's plentiful and you can use it for beer games. But... If I'm drinking like an actual beer, I, I think I prefer something more upscale than Budweiser or Coors. They, oh, they kind of sure. taste like weird diet, whatever to me. Yeah, if, I, if I'm gonna drink cheap beer, my only my only choice is uh, uh, High Life. Yeah, or Hams. You know, I discovered Hams in the Midwest. So that was a pretty good cheap beer. Or I mean, or or Yangling if I'm out east, but I can't get. Oh yeah, beer. yeah, yeah. The Friends of mine from Pennsylvania really swear by Yingling. How'd you like that Super Bowl, man? It was a good game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, what else can you say? I, I think I was kind of bored the first three quarters, and then they just finally started to do something exciting. And I totally thought San Francisco was going to win, but they just left Mahomes too much time in the clock. And I, then again, again, I thought, Kansas City would win in regulation, and they went to overtime. And uh, so maybe, since you're the math guy, you can explain to me. But I, I think the common uh, refrain is that whoever wins the coin toss should defer in overtime so that they know exactly how much they have to score. It's kind of like the home field advantage in baseball because you know exactly how much you have to score in the bottom frame to win, right? I've seen it's about 50-50 because, like, you know, the reason why the – well, one of the reasons why the Niners took it first would be because if it was a tie, like, so if both teams scored touchdowns, um, they, they'd have the sudden death advantage with uh, their possession. But 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 even aside from that, like, like neutral situation stuff, I, I think it, it comes out as pretty equal. But um, aside from that, like, they, they had just been uh, – 
playing defense against that long drive by uh, Kansas City to win the game or to tie the game. So I, th- I think going first, even aside from that, was probably the right choice just because their defense is probably pretty gassed. I mean, they were still kind of gassed in that last drive, too. But Yeah, I heard that the counterpoint was that, like, the as the team that has the ball first, you are less inclined to go for on fourth down. But as the team that gets it second after the first team has scored, they are always in four down, like, territory, right? So yeah. I'm just like, well, if I were not a timid head coach worried about my job, I'd always go for on fourth down because I hate punts. But <laughs> uh, I, I, I totally understand where they're coming from that. What was interesting to me, like, uh, I, I don't know if you were listening to the, the broadcast feed, but towards the end when they were about to score that winning touchdown, the walkout, as it were, uh, they didn't take a timeout. And Tony Romo was saying that uh, if this remains high because they, they could spike the ball and kick a field goal and tie it, and then they, I guess they can't carry their timeouts over to the next uh period, but they really, really brought it down to a wire. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? You're running out of time. Call the timeout. And Tony Romo was saying something about like the overtime timeout rules, and I was like, I've never heard of that. And I tried to look it up, and I couldn't find it. So I don't know what the what the timeout rule actually is. I thought they just reset with every uh, extra period. Well, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how it would have worked either, but but the way that I pictured it is that it's kind of like um, like overtime in soccer, where like they have like a like a mini halftime in the overtime period. And that's kind of what they would have. I don't know if their timeouts would reset or not, but I, I think they have plenty of timeouts. It's not like they would have they would have run out. I, I, I think yeah. part part of part part of the issue too that that um, a lot of people were um, struggling with is that in college football you definitely want to go second, but the rules are fairly different because you don't have the sudden death in college. So it's mm-hmm. a clear advantage to go second. But I, I kind of like these new overtime rules the way they are. I mean, I mean it's going to take a while before everyone understands, <laughs> understands what they actually are, obviously. Uh, based on the, the reactions of uh, well, Tony Romo and the players and stuff, yeah. but but, but I, they, I, I think it's pretty yeah. even. They they switched it between regular season and uh, the overtime, right? Because in regular season, each t- side gets a score unless the first team just scores a touchdown. So if you score a field goal, it keeps going. But if you score a touchdown, game's over. And then, yeah, so and so, so the it would have been, been the same as far as how it played out. As it would yeah. be in the uh, regular season, except that I think the the ten minutes would have would have actually have been the end of the end of overtime regulation. Right, I think it's the only difference. Um, yeah, I'd have to ask like an actual football guru. <laughs> I was like, you know, conventional wisdom says you take the timeout so you can run run multiple plays because if you're running down to the wire, they're just expecting you to pass. But that's neither here nor there. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs have won. Uh, they're probably going to renovate their stadium. And Kansas City is apparently trying to get a new stadium as well, the baseball team. So there's a lot of stadium-type issues going on uh, that we can talk about. Uh, spring training is about to happen uh, the, as of today, uh, which is the day before Valentine's Day and the first pitcher and catcher workout of the preseason for the Cubs. Cody Bellinger still hasn't signed. I feel like he probably should at some point because position player and full squad workout is on the 19th. So maybe they make you happy and do the uh, 
to the whole Dexter Fowler entrance. <laughs> but, yeah, we can talk about all that. How's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Sounds good. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. Yeah, we posted a few things in the forum. Uh, one is, uh, so... If you remember the whole Oakland story, right? That like essentially the guy who decided to take him to Vegas has no plan. Like the Oakland uh, A's, their lease with the Coliseum ends after this season, after which there's three seasons before, like the, the soonest they can get uh, a stadium built in Vegas. Uh, that isn't the, the uh, minor league team is like three or four years from now. So they need something to tide them over for 2025 through 2027. And the funny thing that I saw today uh, via Newswire is that they might have to renegotiate with Oakland to extend their lease at the Oakland Coliseum. So uh, it seems like they didn't really think this one through. Yeah, that sounds about right for how this whole process has gone. Like, I'm sure even... uh... You know, Manfred, whose whole job is to carry water for the owners, is not happy about this either. <laughs> I, I done heard that uh, if they move anywhere outside of the Bay Area, if they were to move to Sacramento, which is where their AAA stadium is, I, I think that's the River Cats. That's way too far out. That's not even Bay Area anymore. That's almost into the Sierras, right? So you you can't use that, and then they lose all their TV rights for remaining in the Bay Area. They can't use the Giants Stadium because that's like twice as much wear and tear on that turf. Uh, I don't think they can go to Stockton. I don't even know if Stockton even has an affiliate anymore. Uh, San Jose is also the Giants uh, minor league stadium. So I feel like that's not an option either. So they literally have no other options. They have to go back to, you know, to, to Oakland. Like, Potentially, they could play at like Stanford or or Cal's uh, baseball fields, but those are college fields. They're they're not anywhere close to even a minor league field. So they really have no choice. They have no leverage. They have to negotiate with Oakland, and this is going to get very very fun. I mean, on one hand, I'm like, you know, yeah, it would suck for them to play in a minor league stadium, but at the same time, like, I don't think if they stay in Oakland, they're going to be outdrawing a outdrawing a minor league stadium as far as the number of people who could actually attend. I mean, maybe the facilities won't be as good and they'll have to like chip in some money to improve things on the, on the facility side, but it might be cheaper than whatever, uh, since Oakland has the city of Oakland has them over a barrel. It might be cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I saw in the MLB trade rumors article that they, only paid $1.2 million a year in rent. And that just seems super cheap to me. It's like a replacement level or a better reliever. <laughs> yeah. Definitely take them to the cleaners. Make them pay $5 million or $10 million, You know, because I, I feel like just rent it, renting a facility of that size and having to, like, you know, upkeep it and all that, that should be much more than what they're paying, but I also don't really know what what really goes into the 
day-to-day operations for a baseball team. I did also see that Kansas City, so the Royals, they extended Bobby Wood Jr., which is really cool. Like that, that was like their largest contract ever. Yeah, they, uh, they've got so, the biggest payroll in the uh, AL Central now, I think, at least by the revenue, whatever calculation that they used. Yeah. So I, I feel like they're actually trying. Uh, the Twins haven't done much. Uh, the other three teams, not so much. I think Detroit is up and coming, so they should be able to do something. But uh, it, it might be, you know, a 14 rate race to not be the worst. And then the White Sox at this point. Oh, the so, White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we know that uh, the the Royals are trying to move downtown. Uh, where is, when I drove by Kansas City once upon a time when we moved out to Chicago, uh, we saw Kaufman at night. It's a beautiful stadium, but it's also out in the middle of nowhere on the interstate, right? So I think they're trying to just move down to where there's more commerce and, you know, foot, foot traffic and stuff. Which makes sense because if they could do that, then they generate more revenue and then they don't have an excuse to be cheap anymore, which I, I think they're trying to gear up for. So that's nice to see, like uh, a team with a good up and coming farm system and they, they have core that's sort of growing in place and they seem to be trying. So I, I'd like to see them succeed, especially after, you know, we saw that they built a team good enough to go to this World Series back-to-back in that market. Like, it's possible, you know. The White Sox, on the other hand, are trying to move out of Bridgeport into that 78. I think we talked about that last time, and I think they're still going at it. There are some renderings that looks kind of nice, but it also just seems like a terrible idea to me. No, they'll, they'll just try to soak as much out as they can out of the city. Like, I, I, was, I was at a watching Super Bowl with a, with a friend of mine from work who's from the south side of Chicago, and is nominally a White Sox fan, and he, you know, no, no one hates the White Sox more than their own fans, so they're, they're all very cynical about this whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> what do they think about the reality of them just moving out of Bridgeport, though? Um, I mean, I mean, really, really, they don't care as long as, uh, like, like, really, what they want is for Jerry Reinsdorf to to sell the team, and anything else, like if they move to Nashville, then. Then whatever. If it's still Jerry Reinsdorf team, they'll just they'll just root against it. They they got the one World Series that everyone forgets about, and they'll 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 just take what they had and and just move on. It's kind of how they feel. Of course, this is a sample size of like three. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think uh, Nashville might be spoken for. I thought that was like the whole uh, uh, Don Mattingly ownership group. Like there there was like. Dave Stewart or Dave Henderson, one of the Daves, and Don Manningly were part of that ownership group that was trying to expand the bit of Nashville. And then the others were like Salt Lake City, where, you know, it's kind of like Denver and Albuquerque, right? It's just... Yeah, the, the, the altitude's not, not nearly as bad in, in Salt Lake City compared to Denver or Albuquerque, yeah. but, but it's, still still it's, it's, still a lot higher than, it's still a lot higher than Phoenix, say, which is the next highest park. That, that should be fun, but uh, I, I think they'll figure that out down the line. Uh, Tampa Bay is trying to get a new ballpark, so they're still going through the motions. But I think they have a pretty good shot at doing it and I feel, I feel getting like into really, that tin can. Things were looking good, but the, 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 the weird thing with the Tampa ballpark is it sounded like they were going to build it in the same spot 
and like or or something very close and i think that aside from like the actual like dumbiness of the park itself like one of the big complaints about the, the tampa ballpark is that it's such a pain in the ass to get to oh yeah so so it seems kind of weird that they would still keep it in what st pete or whatever transition to the spring training uh we've already seen a bunch of guys uh, starting to get into their stretches their bullpens their infill drills like I, i've seen videos of nico horner i think dansby swanson's there say a suzuki's there so they're they're all reporting much earlier than their uh, mandatory report date which is kind of nice but at the same time just like well spring training games start on the 23rd the actual it's not their home opener. They're opening at the defending World Series champion Texas Rangers on the 28th. So they're like basically a month and a half before opening day. And I thought it was interesting that everybody's reporting so early because I thought one of the chief complaints that they always had was spring training's too long. Especially but, for the position players. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, maybe maybe a bunch of. They're still there. I, I would be surprised if a bunch of them live in Arizona in the off season anyway. <laughs> it might be like me, Liz. Uh, I I like to have time off, but then I get bored and I want to work again. So maybe that's them too. Like they're gym rats and they want to do the thing, right? So maybe there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I could have sworn the Rangers were in a dome, or or at least like a retractable roof stadium. So I'm kind of surprised that they have that off day after the opening day, because I thought dome stadiums and roof stadiums shouldn't have that. Like you don't you do that for open air, but that's that's what they're doing. But yeah, I think uh, eventually we're just looking at you know like a few guys step up for third base and center field if they don't sign Bellinger or you know PCA doesn't figure out how to hit again. Uh, they need third base and. They probably need a different DH. That's about it for for the yeah. uh, for the hitting side, and then for the pitching side, it's like fifth starter and the rest of the bullpen. Yeah, another starter wouldn't hurt, but they've they've got depth. But as we saw last season, right? I mean that that depth matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I think the Cubs now have the second or at least a top five farm system according to whichever whichever uh, publication you decide to work with. So that depth is actually impact depth. But at the same time, it's like they brought bring up a guy or two, and sometimes they end up sucking, and maybe that's the transition period, and they need to, to suck for a little bit, and then they'll figure it out next year. But uh, that that's my concern, is that, yeah, you have a good farm system. Is it going to translate? And I think it's important to... Just cover your bases, especially if they're kind of hedging on the fact that this is a year that they want to compete. I mean, I mean, even if it doesn't translate, it, it feels like a, a nice change from from how it was before. Um, I was listening to uh, another podcast that Sahade was on. He was talking about like just just what the Cubs, especially for the on the pitching side, like what the Cubs got out of their farm system over the past. But not counting this year, but like like before uh, what 2023, 
Like, you know, they, they would have been lucky to even have, have gotten innings from like replacement level relievers that have been drafted and developed out of the, out of the farm system. Even, even that would be an improvement on what they had, uh, on what they had of those kind of post world series years. And now they got a ton of innings out of guys like steel and, uh, like, like Wicks and, you know, a mm-hmm. bunch of these both, bul- bul- guys aside. And that, that, that's kind of been a nice, uh, a nice change. Yeah. Like they they could theoretically still have enough money to sign a Jordan Montgomery or even a Blake Snell, but I feel like they're happy with what they have right now. I saw that Justin Steele watched one of Shota Imanaga's uh, bullpens and was really impressed. So I don't know like enough about the pitching side to know what a good bullpen looks like, but <laughs> if expert pitchers think that it looks good, then sure, cool, all right. I like to hear that uh, rather than saying, dude, this guy sucks. But he, he said, oh, uh, it was really fun. This is cool. So I'm OK with that. It's just a matter of making sure that between now and opening day, about six weeks from now, nobody gets hurt. And we'll, we'll see if they have any additions. But like I said, like we, we had just talked about the fact that a lot of the bases are covered. Like it's not a sexy team, but it's a capable one. There is a Craig Council, so uh, obviously that means you add like five to ten wins, right? Because that's how Craig Councils work. But uh, sarcasm aside, that like it should be better managed, uh, even if the wins aren't coming like significantly more than last year, right? That's the that's the hope that he'll be able to, to squeeze a little more juice out of this roster. I, I guess that's where they have at least a little bit of leverage because I, I've seen Jorge Soler is going to the Giants. Uh, there's a couple of other teams that have signed position players. So the number of potential suitors for Cody Bellinger has seemed to dwindle. And so now the most viable big markets team that actually has money to spend would be the Cubs. So now it's just a staring contest again. Yeah, I mean, he, I guess he has a slight advantage in that, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to use much time to prep for the season as, you know, pitchers. But I, I, I think he'll sign with the Cubs. You know, maybe, maybe all of those guys will end up taking pillow contracts. Like I don't, I don't even know what, uh, what, what's been out there um, as far as actual numbers. That of course the Cubs have been pretty close, close mouth about whatever they've offered. But I haven't really heard much even about like Snell or, or any of these guys even getting getting nibbles. You know, maybe maybe yeah. Boris is just saying this is the price and deal with it. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like uh, Scott Boris is playing like 5D chess somehow, and we might not be seeing it. But at the same time, it's just like, dude, it's February, and spring training is almost upon us with them signed. You know, they're, they're still going to get life-changing money, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really know what what what's going to happen, but I feel like like yeah, dude, so he's going to resign with the Cubs. If, if they, I think they'll get at least one of those guys. I, I mean, Bellinger obviously is the most obvious one. Um, Stell is kind of the guy I don't want, if only because he's just excruciating to watch. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty horrible. <laughs> like he's not horrible as a pitcher; he's just kind of not aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, if if you're, if you're watching the spreadsheets, I guess then 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 he's 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 nice, but man, it, it's painful as a fan to watch him pitch. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the, like there's a chance that he just walks on the field during their first 
squat workout and that's your dexter fowler entrance so that would be kind of cool yeah that's how fingers crossed yeah so monday is our soft deadline for a cody bellinger reunion i i'd like to see that i keep forgetting if it's matthew or michael i think it's michael michael bush is going to grab the first base role uh maybe he goes into the timeshare with the patrick wisdom maybe they let matt mervis do it but i i don't think they they will because bush is a superior bat at this time yeah and he's and also lefty so yeah, yeah. mervis has options still so they they'll probably let him kind of marinate there there's extra depth there so there's a lot of people who can play first base like uh I think Owen Casey is taking taking uh, reps at first base. Uh, Morell can obviously just stand at first base and be athletic. Uh, I'd like to see them let Morell try third base uh, quite a bit, just in case you know Matt Nick Madrigal's hamstring decides to explode again. But yeah, like that that's one thing that they could potentially look at is trying to upgrade there as well. And so Matt Chapman is obviously still out there. There's another guy they could potentially spend on. That's a Boris client. So plenty of other options. Yeah, Chapman I'm not super excited about either, but I'd like him more than Snell, I think. Yeah, he can at least play a passable, uh, from passable all the way to elite third base defense. So that's something that could be very attractive to you know, a team that probably doesn't have too much swing and miss on the rotation as of yet, uh, even yeah. after they added Imaniga. So I, I, I'd like to see something like that. Like, I basically am just at the point where, hey, it's almost time for everybody to report. We got a couple of weeks until the actual spring training games begin. Let's get everybody together so that you don't have to worry about it. But, you know. People will get hurt. Uh, teams will get desperate. People will eventually sign. So it's like it's easier to ramp up a position player than a reliever. So hopefully they get the reliever stuff settled uh, post haste, and then uh, they they can deal with the belly situation later. Yeah, of course. With just speaking of the the last of the Boris clients, one other nice thing about. Um... Stuart Montgomery is that he doesn't have a qualifying offer attached to him, so uh, it's not going to cost anything but money to sign him. So, you know, there, there, there's good points for for everyone, except Blake Stell. No Blake Stell. <laughs> it feels weird, it feels weird to say don't sign the Cy Young Award winner, but here we are. Yeah, it's like one of those guys where, you know, every now and then he's really good and he wins a Cy Young, and the other years he's just, you know, whatever. He's okay. <laughs> I think this this year they're wearing some weird new uniforms, man. Yeah, the, the uh, early returns have not been great. Yeah, I, I thought they kind of looked like low-grade jerseys from afar. And I, I know that the first one that I posted was about Miles Nicholas looking at them and saying, hey, uh, these don't fit right, and they look kind of cheap. And then uh, some other teams also... Uh, seem to have said the same thing. Uh, the players are not 
named, but I, I think uh, Michaelis is, is the one who's been the most vocal about it as of right now. And then again, well, I mean, that, that, I mean you know, I say Miles Michaels has never complained about anything in his life, so we should really pay attention. <laughs> yeah. But it, it does seem like consensus from fans and from certain players who are off the record is that it's not so good. So they do look a little off. Like, I, I think there's something wrong with the formatting. It looks like all the fonts for the nameplates, no matter which team you're on, are the same. And I don't know if that's been the case before. I thought they, they usually, like, changed up the lettering, uh, depending on which team you're on. So it seems like the only thing they're changing is the logo up front and and the fact that the name is smaller and the number looks huge. So, so there's something wrong with aesthetically with how they're deciding to format this thing. I mean, the, the main the main thing that looks weird to me is the uh, MLB logo is super low, and because of that, it, it kind of skews the position of everything else, or at least how you perceive them. Like, I think if they had that up on the collar again, they they would. I mean, they still look cheaper than the old jerseys, but I think it wouldn't look quite as uh, off putting. I feel like if they're releasing these now they they're pre- pretty much mass produced them for most of the players so it's not like they're going to scrap all of them and change out right i, I don't know, know. If, if they were if they were super cheap i guess it wouldn't be too expensive to make more <laughs> i mean with a lot of them i mean it was like patches and stuff that they kind of put on for the player names at least um but maybe that was just temporary stuff like when a guy got traded that i'm remembering i, I think most of them are steam ironed on, right? They're very rarely embroidered on. So even the jerseys that they sell at the stores, they're steam ironed. I, I really don't know. I, I'm not going to like tear apart a jersey just to find out if they sewed it on. But yeah, the the fact that they felt that the the material felt cheap and that the fit was kind of off, that's not a good thing either. So it's it's like they're not paying attention to that kind of thing anymore. They're cutting costs a different way, and this is one of the more visible ways that they're going to cut costs is how the player look on the field, and that's not good for the product. Yeah, are you up for an emergency pod if and when Cody Bellinger or whoever else does something? Uh, yes, though it depends on where I am at the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're going to sign when you're on vacation. I'm going to have to do this on my yeah. own. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it for my phone. I don't, I don't know how I'll be able to how it'll work with Teams for my phone. Uh, just so I don't have the app and stuff. But I guess oh, that's not okay. that big of a deal. So you're going to you're going to Hawaii? Yeah, I'll be in Hawaii. Okay, well that's considered a United States, so it, it's like you're going to be on the the Verizon or whatever network anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, they, they don't have to put a USA on our li- license plates like we do here in New Mexico. <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they, they don't, uh, they've did it because they, there are sometimes issues elsewhere in the country when, when people see a, a New Mexico ID or license plate and they don't think it's part of the United States. Oh, yeah, because uh, nobody teaches geography anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, parts of New Mexico—is a real state? Parts of New Mexico do kind of feel like the uh, the Wild West, but 
Actual Mexico, so I, I sort of get it. Like, if you had a New Mexico player and you went to actual Mexico, then that would make sense. But going to a, another United States, that doesn't make sense as much. But then again, I guess I'm overestimating the level of education of some of our fellow citizens. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, we'll just have to wait because that, that's the whole thing. Like, we basically have very little news to report. Spring training has started. We'll, we'll see bullpen soon. Hopefully, again, nobody gets hurt. And we'll we'll see uh, what happens when Cactus League play begins. That'll be a lot of fun, even though I, I think the announcers aren't going to be on site for most of the games. They're going to have to do their broadcast remotely, which, and it doesn't make sense. Like they did that during the COVID year. But uh, yeah, that's that sounds like what they're gonna do. Is a lot of this is just people also looking at it on the monitor and telling us exactly what we're seeing along with them. So yeah, it just see, it feels super silly. Another cost-cutting measure. I, I guess they're playing with the margins, the profit margins, a lot, and it's to the detriment of the game. And this this is something that probably isn't sustainable long term. But who whoever said? Billionaires worried about you know, sustainability anyway. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you can find us at obstructedview.net. Uh, thanks to Rich Deanna for a theme song and Randall Sanders for pulling the final out call in the 2016 World Series. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk again uh, once you get back from vacation or uh, whenever Cody Bellinger signs, whichever comes first. Yeah, sounds good. Go Cubs. It was more than just a game.